What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the How You Podcast, the podcast where we have conversations about how you can be a better you. My name is Xavier. I'm joined by Alejandro. Back again for another episode. And today we're going to have a conversation about something that we want you guys to be able to join in on. And so today, Alejandro, I want us to talk about this concept of ungrieved losses. An ungrieved loss is the concept that Right now, in your life and in my life and the life of everybody listening, if you're listening right now, right now, you have pain points in your life that you have not processed well. And I have pain points in my life that I have not processed well. And those pain points eat into our productivity. They eat into our joy. They eat into our contentment. They eat into our ability to live life at the pace and I think at the level that God would want us to live. And I think that learning to grieve those losses and learning to process those losses well is essential for you and I to grow spiritually, physically, and mentally. And so let's get into it. Perfect. Let's hop right in. So Ecclesiastes chapter number three, verse number one through eight, um, paraphrases this thought. And the concept is that For everything, there's a time and for everything, there's a season. And I think that it's important for the conversation that we want to have today because our culture has an aversion to loss. I think our culture has an aversion to not winning, to failure. And I think that that's literally the opposite of what the scripture teaches is the opposite of how life is. That at some point, you just have a losing season. That at some point, you're just bad. If you're the Carolina Panthers or you're the Charlotte Hornets, you have a lot of losing seasons. If you're the Cowboys, you got to lose a lot. Yeah. Not for the Cowboys. I was trying to say it for (laughs) that. I got you. Thank you, man. The Cowboys, you think every season is going to be a winning season, yet you end up in a losing season. And the truth is that just like the Panthers and just like the Cowboys, that you and I, at some point in our lives, are going to find ourselves in a losing season. Don't listen to these gurus. Don't listen to these internet podcast people that's going to tell you every year is your year. We start the year just like that every year. But the truth is, every year ain't my year. Every year ain't your year. Every year ain't your year. And you have to find ways to process loss, bad years, and grief because the internet will tell you that every season is a good season. And that's simply not true. This conversation actually started uh, because of an article I read online by Renee Fishman. I have no idea who Renee is. I don't know what she does. I don't know anything. But she has an article entitled, Why Ungrieved Loss is the Ultimate Productivity Killer. And it's something that Francine and I were processing in our life because um, early on in our marriage, we have a friend who's a doctor and a therapist. And they were having a conversation with Francine and they said, Francine, I don't think you've ever truly grieved the fact that you moved away from your family and left your dream job when you got married to Xavier. Um, and that's the truth. When, when Francine and I got married, I immediately, we got married and I immediately, of course, asked her to move to Dallas away from North Carolina where her family was and where my family was. And she moved all the way across the country. And she left what probably would be considered 
her dream job at the time. She was teaching dance at a school, K-12. And the, our friend told us, hey, you have you have to grieve that moment because it's eating away at your contentment now. And it was something that she hadn't even realized she was struggling with. And so the article would argue that there are a couple of different types of losses. Because when you think loss, and when I think loss, we probably think about death. Yeah, I mean, it's just a natural, right? It's like, oh, ungrieved losses. Oh, man, like my, my grandma died when I was in ninth grade, which she really did. And I just didn't grieve that loss. I feel right? bad for laughing. Were <laughs> <laughs> you laughing at the death of my grandmother? I didn't know. See, this is the thing. You said, oh, my grandma died when I was in ninth grade. Then I laughed. Then you said, oh, it actually happened. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. Jesus. <laughs> Somebody help Alejandro. <laughs> Somebody help Alejandro, please. Please. Anyway. The article before I was so rudely laughed at about the grief of my grandmother dying. Uh, the article <laughs> argues that there are multiple different types of loss. So, you know, you have everything from death, but then you have some people really grieve the loss of a pet. Like, you know, like, oh, like my dog died or my cat died and you feel bad for not crying or whatever. But some for some people, that's lost. The ending of a friendship or a divorce or a breakup or Losing out on a job opportunity, not getting into the college you wanted to get into. Um, if, you know, I talked to a lady on Thursday who is older than we are, her kids, her youngest daughter is like 35, and she was grieving the idea that her kids are all now married and attached to somebody else, and so they aren't as ra- around her as much anymore. And that's something you gotta grieve. Moving out of the house that you grew up in, for you, it could have been moving away from Mexico. So you've only been here about six years, and that's something that was a big change for you. And even if you were excited about it, there, there sometimes is a loss attached to it. Even voluntarily giving up choices is something that you have to grieve. Um, you might have had, hey, I have a couple of different, this sounds so bad, but let me tell you couple of different girls I might be thinking about being interested in. I'm not leading them on or anything like that. It's just time for me to make a choice of one. I say, hey, I'm going to commit. I think I'm going to pursue this girl and be in this relationship. And then what happens? You get home that day or you walk away from processing that situation. And now in your head is a loss. You're losing out on the opportunity to be with either of those other girls, even if it was a voluntary um, decision. You're saying I got to grieve that? And sometimes we have to grieve that. But that's not a loss, is it? It, But it is. It's not a loss in our heads. She described loss then. Yeah, but see, that's the thing. That's what we're arguing today, that it's not necessarily a loss in our heads, but our minds and our hearts feel those things mm. sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of like, you know how you might be on a uh, like on Facebook or Amazon or something like that, and you click on a link and it brings up two different links, and one of the links you didn't even know was up. So it's like, man, when in the world did I go to Expedia to try to book a flight to Cancun? I don't know, but I clicked on this Amazon link to buy a travel size shampoo, and then here's this Expedia ad over here. I think that sometimes in making decisions and sometimes in life we find ourselves with these extra pop-ups in our life. And just like on your phone, sometimes when you have to pick it up and then swipe up and then you clear all of your different, you know, tabs and those things, and it speeds up your phone. 
I think we need to get in a regular rhythm and habit of picking up our life, a rather a regular rhythm and habit of picking up, um, or not necessarily picking up, but processing through everything and clearing it out and saying, are there areas I need to grieve? And so there's the loss of endings, but then the article also argues that there's the loss of beginnings because nothing starts without something else ending in the same way that nothing ends without something else starting. And so your season, I'll give you an example. My season of marriage starting ended my season of singleness. And in the same way that I celebrated my marriage, it is important that I grieve my singleness. Because, let me tell you how it shows up. You're in a relationship, or you're not in a relationship, you're single. And most of the time when you're single, you get to a point where you're like, oh man, now I'm ready to be in a relationship. So you wait, you wait, you wait, you wait, 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 you wait, wait, wait. And then I, uh, maybe you get a chance to get married, right? But then you get married, and now you don't realize there is a bunch of stuff you're giving up. There's a level of independence after you get married that you'll never have again in your life. There's a level of freedom and flexibility once you get married, not in a bad way, but there's a level of freedom and flexibility that you won't ever have again ever in your life. For example, right now, if I want to go out and um, I'll give you an easy example, right? Easiest one is if I want to go out and buy a car, obviously I need to think about our financial situation where we are now, so on and so forth. Even deeper than that, earlier last year or last year when Francine and I figured out we're about to have a baby, I had to go into my job and I had to up all my life insurance. Which is, you have to pay for it. It comes out of your pocket. So it's a financial, you know. But I had to up it because I went, if I'm driving down the street and I die, what happens to Francine and the baby? It's not like just because I'm dead, they don't need to live life anymore. But now there's a responsibility that I have to think about them even after or even if it's at my own expense. And so I had to up all my life insurance so that my wife and my baby are taken care of if I get in a car accident or if I get dismembered. Like if I lose a leg, we get a big check. I know. <laughs> I know. You, <laughs> get out of here. No, you, no. you can grieve that loss <laughs> later. <laughs> no, I'm not grieving the loss of my leg, bro. I'd be so depressed. Just grab another Jesus, one, bro. Jesus. Please, please, please <laughs> let me keep my legs, please. And my arms and my fingers. My <laughs> let me keep my whole, how I am right now. Let's mm-hmm. <laughs> not change the com- thing. I want to be completely. Don't insane. feel like grieving. But the idea is that I've lost some things by now being in a relationship. There's not the same flexibility. And once again, it's not bad. I'm excited about being married. But the start of a marriage signals the end of being single. Uh, another thing is. Um, so I do have a question. That we talked about, or well, you talked about. Um, you gotta grieve even the things that you choose to lose or give up, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like you're like being single and other stuff. So, for example, I was not a Christian my whole life, mm-hmm. or at least not a devoted Christian, mm-hmm. right? So, whenever I decide mm-hmm. to have a relationship with God, I'm giving up that life that I was living. Correct. So it is a loss. Correct. But isn't that a law that I should be happy for? It is, yes. But it is quite possible. That's the reason this stuff is so dangerous. Because it is quite possible to do something that you want to do and to be happy about the decision you've made, but still feel a sort of 
emptiness or pressure or, like I said, grief is the best word. It's not remorse. You don't think you made the bad decision. It's just, mm, there's a human side of you that subconsciously misses the things that you had to give up. And so, for example, let's say um, uh, before I became a Christian, I would go out every weekend drinking and partying with my friends, right? But after I became a Christian, I started reading the Bible a little bit more. I get convicted about those things. Maybe I shouldn't be drunk all the time, and maybe there are spaces that I can't handle anymore. So I tell my friends, hey, nothing against you guys. If we go out and hang out somewhere else, like I'm down with that. I just don't want to be around alcohol right now because I realize maybe it was becoming an addiction for me. So I need to put some time between me and alcohol right now. That doesn't mean it's the decision you made. You love it. It's great. That doesn't mean that Friday night at 835 when you're scrolling on Instagram from the house or doing whatever you're doing and you see all your friends out partying that you don't go, oh, man, that time was really fun. That those memories are really fond. And so it's quite possible to have things in your life that you voluntarily did and that you willingly gave up and still have a level of reluctancy and pressure and loss and to have to grieve some of those losses. So there's the, the grief and the loss of endings and there's the loss of beginnings. For example, let me give you another one, uh, something I had to deal with recently. I told Francine, you know, I was a student pastor for a while. And I got offered. Really? I know. I know. Plot twist. I don't know if you knew that as a former student. I was a student pastor for a while. And then um, I got offered the position of campus pastor. Right? Yeah. Francine and I came together and we talked. And I said, Francine, you know that in ministry and in life and just like every job, that responsibility is a slippery slope. That the moment you say yes to more responsibility you rarely ever go back that after you step up, for example, in my case, that after stepping up to a, to the campus pastor level and leading a staff, it means that it's far less likely that I ever go back to a position where I'm only responsible for myself. There was a point in my ministry career where the only person I was responsible for was me, right? Show up to work. When my, when people tell me to show up to work, I make the decisions that affect me and the, the people that the Lord has put under me to care about, but I wasn't leading a staff. I didn't have to think about, you know, raises and, and leadership. I didn't necessarily have to think about um, management. Yeah, you were the staff. You were part of it. Yeah, I was just part of a staff. I wasn't leading a staff. And so now I've made the step up in leading a staff, and now I've also made a step up into more visibility. And so now people see me more often. They see me in a different light. And now they have different expectations of me. And one of the main differences between student ministry and ministry to adults is that students have typically students typically have less expectations of their pastors than adults do. Adults have expectations. They expect me to be a certain place at a certain time. And everybody's expectations are different. Hospital visits, funerals, weddings. People have different expectations of how they want their pastor to be. And the truth is that I had to grieve being in a more public eye and having more responsibility because the, the, I don't want to call it notoriety, but because people see me more often now, they expect different things from me. They want more from me. They expect me to act a certain way. 
and there's an added pressure that comes with that. So although I said yes to being a campus pastor and I, I love the opportunity to do what I get to do, I have to also say, man, but you just don't have the luxuries of doing what you used to do anymore. I used to be able to walk through church on a Sunday morning, and if I wasn't if I wasn't in the best mood, that was okay, you know, because after student service was over, I walked over to the adult side and I sat in church and I hung out, I listened to worship, so on and so forth. I can't do that now because at our campus, any problem that somebody else can't solve is mine. And so on a Sunday morning, I'm not just relaxing and worshiping and listening. I'm also aware, I'm very aware of the problems that are going on and of the the struggles that people have and the, and the weight that they're carrying. And so there's, a, there's the grief of loss there, or the, the grief of ending. There's the grief of beginning. Uh, for example, even like buying a new home or starting a new job, like there's all of these things. There's a loss of identity that comes with transition. You know, maybe you, for example, you had to move from uh, Mexico to here. And even though you were young, you had to ask yourself, well, well who are people going to think that I am? And, and all of those things. And so you and I, the point is that when we learn to grieve and when we learn to process grief well, we clear those tabs out of our head and it gives us the ability to be more productive. And so here's the question I'm asking right now that I think we all need to ask ourselves, which is, is there a space in my life right now that is taking energy for me to think about because I am denying myself the opportunity to grieve it? Is there a space in my life that I need to think about or focus on that's taking away my productivity, my happiness, my joy, my contentment because I have denied myself the opportunity to grieve it. And so it's literally just searching throughout your life. Is it financial? Is it relationships? Is it, you know, you recently made a decision to go to school is deep down somewhere. Are you grieving your decision to go to school every day? <laughs> every day. But for example, so for me coming out of high school, I know I, I knew I wanted to go to a, uh, to a HBCU. So I applied to Morehouse, Hampton, Howard, and then I apply to UNCG as a fallback. Like, oh, I'll go to UNCG if I don't get into where I want to get in. Anyway, I got into all my schools, but UNCG offered me the most money, even though it was the fourth school on my list. I really didn't want to go there. And so they gave me a full ride. All I had to do was pay for my books, and the other schools would have been far more expensive. And so here I was on campus the first week of classes with a full ride scholarship. And I was a little depressed because I had broken expectations. I thought I was going to be at one school and here I was at another one. And it wasn't until I truly grieved and said, man, I was really disappointed in that. I was really hurt by that. And that was okay. And I stopped myself from feeling guilty because I was so guilty on campus because I'm like, man, I don't feel grateful because I got a full ride and like I'm not even happy about it. And other people are having to pay for school and, and blah, 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 blah. But when I gave myself a chance to grieve and say, no, this, this, that hurt my feelings. And being hurt is okay. And although I am hurt, I can accept the fact that I'm hurt and trust that the decision I made and the place that I am now is better than I was before. Giving yourself space to grieve clears your brain power and gives you the ability to move forward into what, into where I think God ultimately might want you to be and where ultimately God might call you to be. 
most therapists will tell you that there's a process to grief, that there's a grief, what they call cycle. And I'll just give them to you quickly. It starts with grief, and then it goes towards denial. And I can't believe that this thing I'm experiencing is what I'm actually experiencing. You think about it, it's easiest with death. You know, somebody passes and you're like, man, I can't even, I can't imagine what life is going to be without them. Like, this can't be real. But that happens in other areas, too. Um, then there's an anger about it that comes with grief sometimes. Especially think about in terms of a breakup. At first, man, it's, it's hard to believe we're not together anymore. And then it's like, man, I wasted all that time and money on that relationship. I say all the money, man. Yeah, like, all those all those movie dates and all that stuff. Especially movie tickets are expensive right now. Yeah. They, bro. You got to the movie once, it's like 60 bucks for I'm two people. You, uh, when the last time you went on a date? Like a movie date? Me? Yeah. Never. Never? Oh, I thought I was going to trip you up. I thought you was I was going to say something now. <laughs> this is not that podcast. This is not that podcast. <laughs> there's a denial. There's an anger. There's a bargaining is what they call it. That's a weighing the pros and cons. You're trying to say, well, is there any silver lining to this? That bargaining sometimes leads you into a depression because sometimes it's just hard to get past everything that happened. But on the other side of that depression, and on the other side of that low moment is acceptance. And acceptance is where you and I truly get a chance to move past our losses. As believers sometimes, we, and especially as pastors, we do people a disservice by trying to force them to be okay before they're okay. And I heard a pastor say one time that it's okay to not be okay as long as you're on your way. And the truth is that as long as you are healthily moving through your grief cycle, and as long as you are, even if it's slowly moving past those losses, it's okay to be in a space where you haven't truly accepted it yet. It's okay to be looking around and saying, all right, God, I, I have faith in you, but this thing I'm, I'm a little hurt by. This thing I'm a little angry about. This thing I have questions about. And to genuinely be working through those things. And I think when we're diligent to work through them, on the other side of them, we'll find our growth and we'll find, I think, the lesson that God was trying to teach us. So, Go ahead. yeah, so let's say, because you said, uh, let's say we, we all agree. We're like, okay, we want to grow. Mm-hmm. So I want to grieve whatever I haven't grieved yet. Mm-hmm. But going back to the first step, which is identifying there's something you need to grieve for. Mm-hmm. How can we do that? Because sometimes, like me right now, thinking about it, I'm like, I don't know what I should grieve for. Mm-hmm. And like you said, for example, from seeing a friend of yours or hers, whatever it was, mm-hmm. had to come to her and tell her, hey, I mm-hmm. think you haven't done this. She mm-hmm. didn't know it. Mm-hmm. She didn't think about it. So how do we, what's the way that we can identify those things? That's a great question. I think the way you identify things that you haven't grieved, especially if they're hidden, is you search through your life and you look for areas of hyper-emotionalism. What are the things in your life, when you think about them, that they bring a level of an emotion that you don't normally feel? Now, if you're somebody who's prone to overexcitement, then something in your life that's super exciting is not out of the ordinary. But if you're not somebody who's normally excited then a level of overexcitement is going to be attached to a major transition or a major change. And so if you and I look for the areas in our life that we have um, 
very heightened emotions, at the ends of those spectrums, we'll normally find places of grief. And so if there's something in your life that makes you really, 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 really angry every time you interact with it, somewhere in there is some grief. If there's a person that you notice gets less grace than other people, then somewhere in there is some grief. Mm. If there's a topic that when you talk about it makes you feel more ashamed and more guilty than any other topic, then possibly in there somewhere is some grief or a loss. Um, And like I said, if there's something that when you think about it brings heightened levels of fear or anxiety, then maybe possibly somewhere at the fringes of those emotions is hidden grief. And so you have to search your life and literally take an assessment and say, where are my areas of heightened emotion and say, okay, in those situations, is there any major change or transition? And in that major change or transition, is there any grief or loss that I haven't dealt with or processed? Well, does that make sense? Yeah. Perfect. Man, I think that's a great place to end. Hey, if you're listening to the podcast or watching on YouTube, allow us to say thank you so much for tuning in to the How You Podcast. If you found this helpful, we have conversations just like this every single week. So I want you to consider subscribing on YouTube or wherever you listen to on podcasts. Uh, Leave a rating if you found this helpful. It's really good, and that actually helps other people find this same type of content. And then lastly, there's a link down in the description where you can leave If you have topics or ideas or scenarios for future podcasts, I'd love to hear that. We'd love to hear that so we can have that conversation. Lastly, if you want to continue a conversation like this over on Instagram, you can follow me at XVR Maryland. We're thinking about going live after these types of episodes release, release so we can continue the conversation. Thank you so much for locking in. And remember, you won't go anywhere unless you grow somewhere. Take it easy.